John Deere, or that other tractor? <laughs> no such thing. The list could go on and on with different decisions we make or different preferences we have. And some of these, they have no real consequence. I believe a lot of these cars, a lot of these tractors, are all built in the same building, just painted down. If you want to know my belief. But others do have a consequence when we have to make decisions. Last Friday morning when we were up at Mott's, Mia's doctor came in before the procedure and he had a Sharpie. So I ripped open my shirt so he could sign me. That's not what he was doing. Um, he wasn't there for an autograph. He was there to make sure the correct kidney was going to be removed. You see, he had read the case file, looked at it again and again, and he even confirmed with Mia and with Amy and myself that it was going to be the right kidney that was going to be removed. He wanted to make sure he made the right choice. So after confirming this, he drew a smiley face on that side. Then he knew what side to work on. This was not a choice that he could afford to get wrong. This was not a choice he was willing to get wrong. He did the due diligence. Today we are going to continue through the Sermon on the Mount. When we come to verses 19 through 24 in Matthew chapter 6, as we come to these verses, we're going to see that we have a decision to make. A decision that we can't afford to get wrong either. So over the next little bit, we're going to see the choice before us. We're going to go over the case file and see why picking the proper spot is so important. And to do that today, we are going to see two treasuries. We're going to see the two visions, and we're going to see the two masters. If you take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6, when you get to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, please stand up and we'll read the word of God together this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 reads this way. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where thieves, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither the moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other. He will either be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Father, we are thankful for this day, Lord. We are thankful for the opportunity to open up your word and just to hear from you today. Lord, we do pray for this part of the service, Lord, that you just use it in a great way, Lord, that you guide, direct, Lord, just help me to share the truth in your word, the boldness, Lord, has helped me to share only that you have for me to share, Lord. We pray that as we hear today that we would hear it with open hearts, with open minds, ready to see what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we will open up. We have two treasuries to look at. It says there in verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
or thieves break in and steal. So we start out talking about treasures. And the very first thing he says is do not. Uh, quick show of hands. How many of you guys have ever had somebody say to you that the Bible is just a list of do's and don'ts? I've heard a lot of people say that. The Bible just tells you what you can do and what you can't do. And they say that as a negative thing. You know, the Bible does have some do's and don'ts in there. But it's not because God wants to limit our fun. He gives us these do's and don'ts for a purpose. And that purpose is so that we can grow into the person he's created us to be. You know, I have a list of do's and don'ts for my kids. Do root for the University of Michigan. Do not root for Ohio State. <laughs> okay, that's on the list, but it's a little bit farther down. But do ride your bike in the yard. Do not ride it in the road. Do I give them that list because I'm trying to punish them or take their fun away? I give them that list so that they can be saved. You know, and God's given this list of do's and don'ts, these different things throughout the Bible given because there's something better. There's something better and there's something that he wants to protect us from with these. And believe it or not, no matter how old we get, we still need this list. We still need protection. Here as he's sharing this sermon, he is talking to religious leaders. Talking to everyday people. Talking to just about everybody who's gathered on the mountain. And it was for all of them, just like it's for all of us. And he says, do not lay up treasures on this earth. So you think about laying up treasures on this earth. A lot of people say, well, that means you're not supposed to have anything. God doesn't want you to have anything. Whatever you get, you just get rid of it. That's not what he said. He never said the treasure was a bad thing. In fact, he's given us many treasures. Um, you guys might be shocked to hear this, but if you're in this room today, you are part of the top 10% of richest people in the world. Because, first of all, you're in a building today. Some people don't even have that. Um, I did research on this a few years ago for a lesson. If you had a house with four walls, you were in the top 10%. If you had one car, top 8%. Two cars in the household, top 5%. Richest people in the world. Doesn't mean you have the most money, but with all our things combined, you have that. We've been blessed in ways that we can't even imagine being born in the United States, living where we live. Blessed us more than we know. We all had clothes to put on today. Thankful for that. Um, family, friends. And then we have that income as well that he gives us. He's created us able to work in a way where we can support ourselves. He's given all that to us. We've been blessed with many treasures. But you know, he also knew that these treasures could cause issues. I don't know if you guys realize this, but money can cause issues. Listen to a message yesterday. Um, not on money. It was actually... Uh, Pastor, this dude is doing a sermon on marriage. He says about seventy percent of the issues in marriage relates to money. Money can cause issues. In fact, as a pastor, some things that I would like to avoid with teaching would be sex, money, and anything out of Song of Solomon. Just put those away. But I am thankful that seventeen years ago I came here and I saw expository preaching. Because expository preaching does not allow that. You just come to what goes next. So, thankful that Jesus set the example as well. 
You see, expository preaching, you preach the text that is next, the text that is right in front of you. In Jesus' ministry, he preached about money or taught about money 25% of the time. Um, I said I've been here 16 years, 16, 16 and a half years. Other than going through 2 Corinthians, we have not heard a whole lot of sermons on giving, a whole lot of sermons on money, unless it's part of the text. There's never a standalone thing like that. But to follow Jesus' example, every fourth Sunday should be about money. Wouldn't you guys be excited for the fourth Sunday? Oh, no. Well, I mean, that's what it was. He taught 25 percent about money. He knew it was an issue. He knew it would be an issue, and he knew we would need guidance. During his time, an issue. During our time, an issue. And we need guidance. So he gives it to us. He knew where we would be. You know, reading this week, I found this. It said that we are stuck somewhere between Solomon and Job. And at first, I didn't read it, understand it, read it a few times. But Solomon, the wealthiest man to ever live. Um, more money than he could ever dream of, more stuff than he could ever dream of, but could never be satisfied. Throw himself a party, still wasn't satisfied. Didn't make him happy. Threw himself an even bigger party. Um, and these aren't parties like what we think about. I mean, he's taking basically a farm around us, killing all the cattle for his party. That's that big of a party. Still, didn't bring him the joy, didn't bring him the happiness he desired. In fact, he later says in Ecclesiastes, it's not found in money, it's found in God. Then you have Job. The man that was a godly man that Satan wanted to tempt. We know the story. He lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. But you know what Job did? Proclaimed that God was enough. Stands up and says, you know what? No matter what's going on, God is enough. He is still God. He's the one I'm going to serve. That's kind of where we're at in our life today. We're somewhere between the two of them. Not having it all, but we haven't lost it all yet. We're in the middle there. And being here can cause our focus to be a little blurry. A little off, if you were to say that. So that's why we're going to look at what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount about money, where our treasury should be. And the first thing we see is that first treasury there, our first option. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. That's where we're at now. That's this place where we are at right now. Those are the treasures that we have now. Things. How many of you guys like things? How many of you guys are lying but not raising your hand? <laughs> That's what I thought. We all like things. Some things are necessities. Food. Necessity. Clothes. House. Things like that. Necessities. But you know what happens? Some things we like just for fun. Just because we want to have them. Just because our neighbor got a new one. So we need a new one. We live in a time where we like things. And you know what we like with these things? To get more things. And more things. And more things. Kind of like Solomon. No matter what he had, it was never enough. And sometimes we live in that place. We need the newest iPhone. 42? 42 yet? It will be by the end of the week. We need the newest vehicle, 
we need this, he said. Not necessities, but we still think we need them. You see, the treasures themselves are not the problem. It's not wrong to have an iPhone. The question is, where are we putting this treasure? Is this a treasure that we're storing up for ourselves on earth? Is it all about making us comfortable? All about giving us the life that we want to have? Or is it about serving God? You see, if we're only storing up these earthly treasures and this earthly treasury, they're only temporary. The Roth, the Roth, the Roth and the Must. No, the moth and the rust and the thieves, they come in and they destroy them. They take them. These treasures come and go. They have no eternal value. You ever get really excited on payday to look and see there's money in the bank? Then on Monday, after all the bills have come out, a little bit sad. <laughs> Joke's on you guys, I get paid on Sunday, so we have until Tuesday. But, I mean, we have that. It's there, then it's gone. Our joy, our happiness is going to be short-lived of these or what we're storing up our treasures. What we found joy in is now gone. Solomon, all the wives he wanted, all the land he wanted, no joy. It was just there. So you know what happens? That joy is gone, and we look for the next thing. What's next? What's going to make us happy? You know what happens after that? We lose it. It's gone. And the cycle continues over and over. You know, it's almost like God knew we were going to struggle with this, so he put this there for us. Because the next part says, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the second treasury option is our treasures in heaven. Treasures for eternity. Um, treasures that are never going anywhere. These treasures, they're not focused on us. It's not about what makes us comfortable, not about what's going to give us the most joy on this earth, but what's going to be best for eternity. What's going to give us the most joy for eternity? So how do we store up these treasures in heaven? You know, as you think about this, I think you have to put first things first. If you want to know how to live for Jesus and store up treasures for Jesus, you have to know Jesus. You cannot do anything for Jesus if you don't have a relationship with him. You might try, you might fool people, but it's just going to end and bitterness, and defeat. So we must have that relationship with Jesus before we can lay up any of these treasures. We must come to him by grace alone, through faith alone. Salvation is through him alone. So if you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, you've never asked him to forgive you for your sins, trusted in him for your forgiveness, and in him alone, talk to myself for one of the deacons. We would love to get you on that path. To get you when you can be living for Christ and for Christ alone. So that's the first thing we need to do. We need to make sure we're part of this team, that we are part of the followers of Jesus, that we are a true believer. But the second thing we do is we store our treasures in heaven with the resources He's given us here. We give towards the kingdom. We don't give because we have to. Um, somebody tells you you have to give them money. Is that really giving them? money, they're giving them resources. It's just obedience. We don't give because we're trying to get something back. I know I've probably told you guys before, um, 
I love going to Winter Jam. A little bit more when I was younger. And it didn't go as late. But, but one thing they do is when they do their offering, they always tell a story about the lady who gave her last $20 and got a $200 check. God can do that. But we don't give expecting God to do that. We give because we desire to. We give because the Spirit has led us to give. We give in a few ways. We give to our local gathering. It's called tithing. Not too bad. I went about 10 years before I ever preached on tithing. Pretty proud of myself. But tithing. Some people say tithing is still a thing. Still a good thing. Some people say no longer required. Here's the thing. The people that say this, strong theologians. They come from two separate spots. You see, the principle for tithing is set in the Old Testament. They would take their 10% of their first fruits, their first 10%, and they would give it to the Lord. They would give it to the local synagogue, the local temple, so that the temple could be run, so it would have what it's need. Here's a couple things about that. It would be the first 10%. It wouldn't be after everything else was paid. It wouldn't be after they had all they wanted. It would come out first. It would be the best. Here's the second thing about that. That was just the baseline. That's the very minimum that they would give. That is the tithe. They would give above and beyond. In fact, there's nothing saying that you shouldn't or couldn't go above and beyond that. And many of them would. And today, many people still tithe above and beyond. But sadly, there's still a few people who say, well, tithing went out after the Old Testament, after the Old Covenant. You know what? You could be right. I don't know. But they do that because they say they never see tithing mentioned after the coming of the Holy Spirit. But you know what happens after the Holy Spirit, what we see? I'm glad you asked. Turn to the book of Acts. In fact, next week, if you want to know more about this passage, come to Sunday school. Because this is our Sunday school passage for next week. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 45 read this way. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. This is the early church. This is the first church. They're together there for the teaching, for the preaching, excuse me, for the prayer. But listen to what verse 45 says. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So people will say, we don't have to give that 10% anymore. Not a command in the New Testament. Well, you know what we see in the New Testament? They're selling anything they have to help anybody who has need. Could you imagine this week if you go home and you see your neighbor who usually has the three trucks in the driveway, only has one truck in the driveway, and you go over and ask him, well, what happened? And he tells you, well, somebody at our church had medical bills, so I sold my trucks to pay for them. What would you think about that neighbor? Crazy. <laughs> what kind of church is that? I'm not going there. But isn't that what the early church did? So some people say, don't need a tithe because it's no longer mentioned. Well, you know what is mentioned here? Way above and beyond tithing, helping any who has needs. Selling the possession and giving it to the local gathering. 
giving it to them so they could help them. You know, you never see any government assistance in the Bible, in the early church, because there was no need for it. The church was doing its job, and here's the thing, this no tithing thought would mean above and beyond 10% the entire time. They would be given way above that. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9-7, you guys would have heard this during the 2 Corinthians series, says each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, we must give how God has led us to give. You know, when it says as he has decided, it doesn't mean I make the decision to sit down and think about it. It means I pray about it. I ask God to lead me. And I love here, the Greek word that's used for cheerful here is where we get our word hilarious from. So God loves a hilarious giver. Can you imagine giving to the point that people would think it's hilarious? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? And that's what we're called to do. Not because of compulsion. Not for recognition. But because God is leading us there. Because he has blessed us there. So we give to the local gathering. We tithe. Um, thinking about that, would there even really be much of a need for a church budget if everybody tithe or gave how this sells us to? We would be helping and doing more things than we can imagine. You never hear of a church closing because everything would be how it is supposed to be unless they aren't preaching the word of God because in God you're not blessed. But with true tithing, true giving, with true laying up treasures, we're going to see this happen. We give to missions. We give beyond the local church to help the spread of the kingdom. This is not part of tithing. This is above and beyond tithing. Too often people think, well, I'll make that part of my 10%. That's not what that is. We give to support those who are doing the work. When we give so, God gets the glory. Um, on the way down to Kentucky, Pastor and I had a seven-hour conversation about different things. We talked about the football field at the University of Wyoming. Um, first of all, you see mountains in the background. Pretty awesome view. But the second thing is, somebody donated towards it. $1.2 million. And the guy's name was Anonymous. If I'm given $1.2 million, my name's not going to be Anonymous. They're hopefully naming the field after me. Right? So, last week when Pastor came up to the hospital to visit, I told him I saw that he donated out on the board of the hospital a $5 million gift from Anonymous. But don't we sometimes give to make sure our name is known? Posted on Facebook, I gave towards this. This is all about me. We want the glory. But we need to give so God gets the glory. And sometimes we aren't only given money. We're given of ourselves too. We give ourselves. We serve at the church. We find a need where something needs to be done, and we serve. Maybe we're not trained there, but we find somebody to train us. We find somebody to help us. We serve in our communities, not for the recognition or because the town's so great, but we serve there for the kingdom so we can build relationships. Um, I just looked out and I saw Kim sitting out there and I think about her working at McDonald's. She's serving there, working there for the kingdom. Because every Sunday she has a name for us to pray for, somebody she's got to share Christ with. So we serve in places like that. We serve in the communities. You know what? Maybe instead of giving, we go to the mission field ourselves. Maybe that's how we use the resources he's given us. 
you know, no matter what the case, if we're going to store up these treasures in heaven, we need to go all in with our investment. Um, if you knew you could invest in something that had a hundred percent return, would you put everything in it? I would. All five dollars in my wallet. Okay. That would be great. But here's the thing: we're guaranteed that we invest in the kingdom. Return is out of this world. You see, we realize what's at stake. We realize lives are at stake. Eternity is at stake. We give it our all. We do everything we can in order to further the kingdom. So that's our two options as far as treasuries. The earthly treasury, where things we only have for a little while, and the down. Or the heavenly treasury, where it lasts for eternity. Next thing we have is two visions. Verses 22 through 23 read this way. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So we have these two visions. Our eyes are a window. They show where our focus is. I um, was watching a show on Netflix yesterday called QB, talking about different quarterbacks. They had Patrick Mahomes to talk about how his no-look throws that he does. He practices them. Takes his eye one way, throws another way. You know, our eyes, they're going to show us where our focus is. He does that to deceive people, right? Look this way, throw that way. Do we sometimes try that? Okay, see we're focusing here, more really there. But truly, after a while, our focus is going to come into view. It's going to show us what our desires are. So eyes that are focused on earthly treasures, all about us, what can we get? What can we have? Like I said, we like to have things. And we say, well, <laughs> I like to have things, but I also love God. I also do this. You know, I took a personal finance class at Jackson College. And one thing we had to do is write down everything we spent for a week. It would show you what you valued that week. I will tell you, Slim Jims were a big value for me when I was 18, 19. But think about this. Look at our checkbook. That's going to show us where our eyes are focused. Isn't it amazing how we tend to value things by what our checkbook says about them? <laughs> this is a value because I spent this kind of money there. This is important because I paid this for that. So our eyes are going to show us where our heart is focused. So I want to challenge us this week. Maybe spend some time and see where our focus has been. Maybe see where our checkbook or our online banking shows us we are valuing things. You see, if our eyes are focused on the heavenly treasure, the heavenly things, we're going to see people as God sees them. No longer about us. No longer about them fitting our needs, but about helping them to see their need for Jesus. And that's really where we need to be. It's about helping them to grow in the Lord. You see, if our eyes are focused here, we're going to see that discipleship is an everyday process. Discipleship is learning how to be like the one leading you. And as believers, the one leading us is Jesus. So we need to find people who are being led by Jesus to help us grow in Jesus. So people that look up to us can be led by us, so they can grow in Jesus. So every day we are being discipled. Every day we are discipling. 
So our vision must be clear, so we're leading and being led in the right direction. Can you imagine being the person in front, leading all these people, only to find out you went the wrong way? Wouldn't that be so devastating? And why do we let it happen? Why do we let this world lead us to the things of the world instead of God leading us to the things of him? Because of our desires, because of where we lay up our treasures. Um, two masters. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So we have our money as our master. Some of us are sitting out there and saying, there's no way I would ever be a slave to money. Well, it happens. You know, it becomes our master when we love it more than we love Christ. You say, well, I have to work because I have to pay my bills. I have to do this. I have to do that. True. But at the same time, if we're working just so we can get more things, just so we can do makes us comfortable, we miss the point. It comes to the point where we love the things over the Creator. We'd rather have those than Jesus. <laughs> but I would never love anything more than Jesus. What does your checkbook say about that? Does your checkbook say that's sleep? I heard that's sleep. I read that actually. No. Does your checkbook say that's true? Does it say something else? But I would never love anything more than Jesus. What does that extra hour of sleep say about that? What does that fill in the blank say about that? Because these are all things that we put in front of him. That's how God or money becomes our master. You know what? When God is our master, we are serving Him. We serve Him as our Lord and Master. We don't just serve Him because He's our Savior. We serve Him because He is our Lord. Lord means master to somebody who is over you. We live to bring Him glory. We live to advance the kingdom. Not because we have to, but because it's our desire. We want to please Him. How many of you guys love hearing good job? Well done. Like we crave that on this earth. Nothing better than going out to a great sporting event and doing something and having somebody say, man, you were great today. We feel good. That's what we should want to hear from Him. We don't do it to hear, but we want to do it in a way to please Him. We desire not to see our bank account grow, but our faith grow. We desire not to be known but to make him known. You see, what happens as we grow in Christ, as we're being sanctified, his desires become our desires. The things that we used to think were so important no longer have that same significance in light of the kingdom. It's no longer about retirement, but about eternity. You know, as you think about this, you think about serving God as master, um, where we were down in, Kentucky, we did our devotions. We went through the book of Jude. Um, made it all the way through. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, not to share too much, but I think our devotional time down there was my favorite time of our trip. Um, I'll tell you why when you come back on August 6th. But I mean, it was just some good time. But Jude, verse 23, says this, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. You know, 
when we decide to go all in and make God our master, we're working to snatch others from hell. We don't want that to be an option. We want them to see who God is. See, too often we try to serve both. We try to serve God and we try to serve money. But we can't do that. See, serving both is not an option. You'll either love one or hate the other. Be happy with one or despise the other. If we say we're doing both, we are lying to ourselves. There's something lying to ourselves is something I'm really good at. We do it all the time. But here's the thing. If Jesus says it's not possible, it's not possible. So you cannot serve God and money. Only one can be your master. So there you have it. We looked through those verses. We walked through them today. We saw the two treasuries. We saw the two visions. And we saw the two masters. The question is, what can we take home from this? What can we learn from this? First thing I thought about is, what is your vision like? Do we have a here and now vision? Are we just living for today? Living for this life, living for whatever makes us happy. Is that how we're living? Are we living to get all that we can? <laughs> I'll have the most toys. I'll have this. I'll have what I want. Or do we have a kingdom vision? Are we living to bring others to the kingdom? Are we living for the glory of God? Our vision matters. In order to live for God, in order for him to be your master, we must have kingdom vision. We must make sure we're looking at kingdom things. Second question I had is, where is your heart? Are you surrendered to the treasures of this earth? Or are you surrendered to the treasures of the kingdom? Last week, you guys did your closing song and you had your knees at high. Excuse me. Your knees at nine was to examine yourselves. You know what? We need to examine ourselves. We need to examine our hearts. We need to see where we're spending our resources that we've been given to steward. You know, as you think about this, we've been blessed beyond measure. Blessed more than we know. But what are we doing with that blessing? Are we being good stewards? Or are we just spending it however we want? Is it for this world or the Lord's kingdom? Here's the thing. We've all been blessed different ways. We've been given different levels of resources. But the question isn't what resources have you been given. The question is, how are you using them? Because you think about investing in things on this earth, nothing wrong investing in your kids. My kids will tell you that if they are doing a sport or doing dance, I'm all in. You can go on my iPad. I have cheerleading scores from the last two years sitting on my iPad. I know who some of the better teams are. I even know some of the names of things. I'm all in. We spend the money to go to it. We spend the money for them to do the camps, to do those things. Cross country, track, dance, all these different things. I'm willing to be all in on those things for them. There's nothing wrong with some good coffee. Maybe a good steak. But if we're neglecting giving to God's kingdom for these things, then we miss the point. I can get my kid to any sports camp, to anything, 
to not be able to give to the kingdom of God, it's a waste. It's a sin. Because here's the thing, we've been blessed so that we can bless others. Does that mean we never do sports with our kids? No. But we don't make it part of our first 90%. It's the second 90%. We give to God first. We miss the point of why he blessed us when we just see ourselves first. You know, we need to reorient our vision and our heart to his kingdom. We need to make sure that we're seeking his kingdom first. Um, we need to surrender. Surrender all that we have to him. Amazing thing. Surrender all that we have to him. My kids are pretty good at trying to keep money that I give them. If I gave them money to go pick something up at the store, they always forget about the change. I'm sure none of your kids ever did that. Um, but just the other day, I asked Courtney for some money back because I knew she would have a decent amount back. She's like, okay, I'm giving you this money. You're not giving me that money. That's mine. Don't we do the same thing with God, though? <laughs> I'm giving this to you. No, we're not. It's already his. We're just being good stewards of it, hopefully. So there we have it. Today, as we look at this, we think about where is your vision? Where is your heart? I pray that your vision and your heart are seeking the kingdom things. That we will go and we will examine our hearts. We will examine our lives and see if we're invested in this world or if we're invested in the kingdom of God. The only way we can do that is to truly surrender all to Him. Father.